This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Christian perspective on the news does not necessarily reflect the opinions of Radio K Pulpit or the on-air presenter, but is the independent viewpoint of the individual contributor. Please send an email to info at kpulpit.co.za should you have any further inquiries. Christian Perspective on the News. And 7.30 is on a Friday means we get to hang out with Dr. Peter Hammond. He's the founder of Frontline Fellowship, the Reformation Society, Africa Christian Action, as well as the William Carey Bible Institute. Morning, Dr. Hammond. Good morning, Brad. And it seems like we're facing a war against fuel hmm. and against food, against faith and freedom. The sabotage of the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines through the Baltic Sea certainly showed a new level of escalation of the conflict in Ukraine. It probably is directly related to that. And uh, it would seem, although the narrative is that Russia blew up its own pipeline, even though it's one of its biggest um, cash cows and one of its greatest assets and we're talking about billions of dollars of uh, actual, not just infrastructure, but also of income that comes in every year. Russia gets most of its money actually uh, from selling fuel, such as gas, natural gas, uh, oil, and coal. Uh, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 32, that we need to understand the times and know what God's people ought to do. So at this time, we see such escalating war in Ukraine terribly escalating, mm. people talking about nuclear war, people talking about this could be a 10 or 50 year war, absolutely insane, irresponsible uh, comments being made, preemptive strikes with nuclear weapons being suggested and promoted, uh, highly irresponsible things, massively international, uh, escalating international tensions, economic sabotage, engineered shortages of vital food and fuel and fertilizer, Diminished food security, there's all kinds of disrupted fuel and food supply chains, uh, massive backups of trucks and uh, bridges being blown up. What is the globalist agenda behind all of these ominous developments? And well, at the World Governance Summit in 2022, this year, we heard Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, say, history is truly at a turning point. We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic structural changes which will happen. However, we do know that the global energy systems, the food systems, and the supply chains will be deeply affected. Mm. And then Klaus Schwab said, the answer to all this global food and energy crisis is global government. We need to expand global government. So interesting, there are the globalists out there who are seeking to use uh, these events or engineer these events or manipulate these events to the purpose of global government. And their goal has been made very clear. A one world economic system, a one world interfaith religion, and a one world economic system. So one world government, one world economic system, and one world interfaith religion. That seems to ring some bells from Revelation 13 and so on, doesn't it? You know, people won't be allowed to travel unless they get a certain mark and yeah. so on. Well. President Vladimir Putin has likened the EU's attempts to cut itself off from Russian fuels to economic suicide, and it does seem to be something like that. According to the Hungarian foreign minister, Peter Zasaro, the energy crisis in Europe is a 
about to be a long one and it will extend way past 2023 and 2024 and way past that probably too because the Hungarian government has been paying very close attention to what's going on in energy and they see this is a fundamental interest of any national security. Now at the moment Hungary has got about half of their annual uh, needs in energy in storage uh, whereas the average European government's got less than a quarter. And uh, that's pretty serious because they've cut themselves off from the main supplier, which is Russia, and it's going to be very difficult to get alternatives, actually. But Hungary has decided not to institute the EU sanctions, and they're doing economically better. Mm. And other parts of the EU are heading into a very dark and cold winter. Already Germany is talking about massive reductions in energy, uh, France and uh, Britain. There are people saying that they don't intend to heat the home once in upcoming winter. Remember, internal heating is not a thing for us here in Africa, yes. but it's actually pretty serious for survival in many parts of Europe, especially northern Europe, where it can get icy, freezingly cold. Well, uh, Budapest is calling the policies of Brussels failed policies and that Europe is bleeding and that sanctions have hurt Europe more than they've hurt Russia. And while the euro has gone down and the dollar has gone down, the pound has gone down a lot. Mm. Uh, but the, the ruble has been the best performing currency of the year and that's going up. Well, the reason for that is very simple. Um, Russia is a major oil producing, oil exporting country. And uh, uh, as fuel prices have risen, so Russia's economy has boomed and the ruble has strengthened. And this is important to note because back in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan aimed to win the Cold War on as many fronts. He was doing all sorts of things in order to break down the Soviet Union. But one of his key economic policies was to persuade OPEC to overproduce and to glut the market with oil, and the price of fuel went way down in the mm. 1980s, especially towards the late 80s, and it bankrupted Russia because so much of the income came from, from oil. And so, uh, the it's, first of all, Ronald Reagan instituted a space race and an arms race, which Russia could not compete in and bankrupted themselves. And while they were bankrupting themselves in this space uh, war, Star Wars, arms race, missile race, and all the rest, uh, they were having the income drastically curtailed through a glut of oil on the market. Well, right now you've got an exact opposite with Biden. He has made oil so scarce that, in fact, Russia's booming. And to just notice what's happened with OPEC uh, in this last week, OPEC announced they will reduce the amount of oil produced by 2 billion barrels of oil a day. Wow. Not per a day. Two billion barrels of oil less a day. This means we are going to see massive increases in, in petroleum products and we're going to see uh, real shortages. This, this looks like the exact opposite of the Ronald Reagan strategy of bringing the price of oil down and of Donald Trump of oil independency. And we are going to see effectively what we are seeing is a, is a war on fuel, uh, just as the pipeline of Nord Stream 2 has blown up and how OPEC is going to reduce the amount of petroleum, well, uh, that indicates there is a war on fuel. And not only that, but we can see in our own country, uh, President Cyril Ramposa in this last week during a question and answer session, he was confronted about his earlier promises of load shedding coming to an end. In fact, in 2015, he mm. made the statement that load shedding is going to be a thing of the end, um, something that we don't need to worry about. In fact, uh, at the opening of one of our new uh, 
coal plants. What did we hear from uh, President Jacob Zoom at that time? Never, 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 never again will it be load shedding in South Africa. And in fact, in reply to question in Parliament, the President admitted that the people with the necessary skills have left Eskom. Well, yes, indeed. In fact, Eskom shed itself of 18,700 engineers and other very skilled staff just because they were the wrong colour. And interesting that now the President says they're trying to recruit many of these people that they laid off from around the world to come and help resolve the crisis. And so the President, first of all, described what an excellent institution Eskom once was. In fact, it was one of the best public utility companies in the world and was recognised as producing the second cheapest uh, energy in the world at that time and the most reliable. And that was by overseas uh, estimation uh, by the Washington Times and others. So the president described the confidence that the enormous Medupi power plant had instilled in him before it had even been completed. But later he realized the project would not only cost far more than had been budgeted, but that it could not meet the expectation due to design flaws. (laughs) Yes, indeed, design flaws is one way to put it like it didn't work. And then Ramaphosa reiterated an early admission that in 1990s, the decision by President Mandela that Eskom would not build any more power stations is the root of the current problem. Eskom came to President Mandela almost immediately after he became president in 1994 and said, we need to now start building more power stations because the projected growth of the economy and the projected growth of population, we will be running out of electricity by about uh, 2004. In fact, in 2005, we started having our first power failures. And uh, Mandela was, well, 10 years a long way away, and that's outside of my presidency. And Eskom made it clear, yes, but it takes about 10 years to, from beginning to end before, the, from the moment the go-ahead is given, before the station can actually be operational and producing electricity. It's a, it's a long process. It's very complicated. But it was kicked down the road, and Mbeki kicked it further down the road, and we start to have absolute widespread power failures and what they called scheduled load shedding from 2008. Well, the president also said that the personnel with the capacity to plan and execute these projects had left Eskom. And with the realization that Eskom would need to increase its generation capacity, they saw that the personnel that they needed were no longer with them, and so interesting that uh, during the time of state capture and corruption, that the enormous Madupi and Kusili power plants, which were supposed to solve the problem, but which failed to. In many of the cases, the skills and the experience in the organization were no longer there. And the president admitted that the mismanagement and corruption uh, meant that the organization was not able to produce what it was needing to, and therefore planning errors and corruption went unnoticed. And there was delayed completions, budget overruns, and this only came to light when the power plants came online and failed. Well, how interesting that the president has admitted now that affirmative action, appointing people without the experience, but just because of race and firing people just because of race has actually led to the situation where uh, the country's been brought to its knees. And so it just reminds one again, as we are told in numbers, 1515, uh, that we should have one law for all. And it's, it's not right to have laws uh, that are race-based and which ignore the actual needs of something and everyone suffers as a result. 
And so the biblical principles, love your neighbor as yourself, do to others you want to uh, have done to you, and make sure that you have one law for all. That's the voice of Dr. Peter Hammond. He's the founder of Frontline Fellowship, the Reformation Society, Africa Christian Action, and the William Carey Bible Institute. Dr. Hammond, thanks so much for your time this morning. Here's to a really great weekend. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.